I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. And we coming from our basement to your headphones, barely even know who we are, but changing the unknown. Thank you for downloading the Podcastianos. Now here are your hosts, Jordan Hall and Eric Wayne. Welcome into another episode of the Podcastianos. I'm Jordan Hall, and Eric Wayne is out do-gooding somewhere in Central America this week. Um, so as the old saying goes, when the cat's away, the mice will talk about prospects. I'm pretty sure that's that's how it goes, right? Uh, joining me uh, tonight to do so is the athletics Emily Walden. Emily, thank you so much for being with us tonight. Always a pleasure. And um, uh, the voice of the Turtle Podcast and writings many different places. It's Hook Slide. Um, Hook, I understand that recently you learned a tough lesson about an arm side cutter. <laughs> yeah do we have to talk about that it, it hurts we very yes. much do the short version of the story is uh, i've been helping my my 14 year old son uh develop as a pitcher and we were working on uh some new cutter and two seam fastball grips and he wanted me to uh actually get into the batter's box and take some swings and say you know gauge my stuff as a batter can you hit it and so i took some swings from the right-handed side and because i'm a switch hitter i said I'm going to go to the left-handed box now and see what you know see what that looks like and he threw a cutter that I didn't realize was a cutter until the last second when it dove hard and I spun out of the way and uh not fully out of the way because it planted squarely in my left calf uh muscle and I like immediately lost feeling in the lower half of my leg and that was on Friday this is Sunday I still can't walk right. This thing is just welted and blistered, and it's. You know, I'm not sure whether to be upset or like, dude, that was that was a hell of a cut. Like, yeah, good that job. sounds like a Rivera cutter right there. I'd right, tell him to hang on to that one. Yeah, just start it a little bit further outside the plate next time. So, Emily, do you have a scouting report on on his son? Have you have you been able to get to any of those games? You know, I haven't been able to attend the games, but there's definitely a lot of projection. Good, good high upside. I believe he gets that from his mother. Um, so some, some real promise there. I'm going to be keeping my eye on him. Yeah. Um, so speaking of, speaking of children, uh, it looks like the Tigers family, kind of, so to speak, um, will be expanding. Um, a proxy Tiger, can, can we say that, Justin Verlander? Um, and his wife, Kate Upton. I'm sure that everyone knows this uh, at this point, but they announced they're expecting their first child. How excited are you guys about this? Is it wrong of me to say I don't really care? I don't. I don't necessarily think it's wrong. Okay. Okay. Because I, I have a general uh, rule of thumb because I see these things on the on the magazines in the supermarket all the time, right? Like so and so is having a baby, and I'm like. So what? Like people have babies all the time. Like why should I care extra more about this one because it's a, a famous person? And yes, I love Justin Berlander, but I'm also aware of the fact that he does not know my name or love me back. <laughs> are you are so, you sure about that? Absolutely positive. <laughs> and so I feel like he and Kate have kind of moved into that sort of us weekly celebrity couple, you know, status. So to me it's just kinda of like, okay, that's great. Good for them. I, I'm happy for them, but <laughs> What do you do? Like, Emily, are you excited for Uncle Ben? You know, I'm probably more excited. 
excited at the thought of Ben Verlander being an uncle than the actual concept of, of Justin and Kate having a baby. And I think more of the attention is because of Kate Upton, because you don't see that many Major League Baseball players having such important baby announcements as these two. So I think it's more shifted that way. But yeah, um, Uncle Ben Verlander, I think, has a nice ring to it. Yeah, I, that would be the, the ultimate, like, uncle that would teach you everything. Not necessarily um, the stuff that you're supposed to teach a child, just the stuff that that child really needs to know. You know, but there, there's a product already called Uncle Ben out there, right? It's, it's rice. So it's rice. I'm, can they call him Uncle Ben, or is that copyrighted? Do they have it, to, like, pay royalties? Yeah, I think it's just, like, Uncle Ben TM every time, every time they do that, and it's, it's fine go. at that point. Uh, what features do you think that we can expect from this this child? Like, are they gonna are they gonna save the world at some point? I mean, bloodlines. <laughs> no, I have no. I'm not gonna ruin your podcast with my theories and opinions on on celebrity children. But no, the, the, the opposite of saving the world. Oh, okay, Emily. Yeah, I can't say that too many. Um supernatural characteristics come to mind but we will hope and believe for a good bright future <laughs> hopefully a really nice curveball hopefully hopefully left-handed that that would make life so much easier on them because they don't need to throw nearly as hard <laughs> yeah um so anyway that brings us this week's leadoff question and i didn't give you guys time to prep this uh, but it was in one of the twitter questions that we got and i thought it was particularly good uh it came from t- at tigers underscore opinions and they asked, what are some names for this Verlander child? What should, obviously, we probably won't be consulted in this. But if we were, what would we suggest to Justin and Kate? Wow. I, I mean, I thought about it and I came up with very, very little. What I did think of immediately, though, was uh, because the Tigers now have Cody Clemens uh, in their system. Mm-hmm. They drafted him this year and Roger Clemens is his father. So I did a little bit of research about, you know, Cody's not the only uh, son of Roger who's in the baseball world. There are other siblings. And I noticed that all of their names start with a K. And I thought, okay, how narcissistic and beautiful is that? If you're Roger Clemens and that's your thing, like you strike out people and that's the K is the thing. And all of his kids' names start with with a K. So I think maybe Justin should follow suit in some fashion. I mean, he can't directly rip off Roger and and do the K thing, but maybe – Start all of their names with FIP. I don't know. <laughs> that was... you, you don't. You don't think Kyle Verlander has a nice ring to it? You can't steal the idea. That's just. Then he's just a. He's a poser at that point. Yeah, I, oh, I would agree. Do you have any suggestions, Emily? Um. Yeah, I would say probably because of what little I know about Kate Upton. I'm guessing they're probably going to go off the off the grid a little bit with their choice. They strike me as modern parents, so I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know if it'll go as far as naming them like after a fruit like Gwyneth Paltrow did, but we'll have to see how far they go. I think they'll have a little creativity behind it. I think they could just go with Psy. That could, could be an Ooh. option. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think probably one of the biggest uh, inspirations in young Justin's life Maybe they end up getting a, a a naming right here, and that of course would be Donald. I don't see why 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 Donnie wouldn't wouldn't necessarily um, bear the name of that first child. I, why not something like uh, Pablo? No. Are you are you suggesting that that Pablo is is Verlander's daddy? Is is that where we're going here? <laughs> speaking of, I'm, I'm going to let people draw their own conclusions. Speaking of, I got a, a, a you know how Coke does a um, you know share a Coke with or, and they put it on their bottles. I got Sandoval on my bottle. What? What do you <laughs> other than Pablo? Like Sandoval is not necessarily a, a first name, correct? Like I mean, they are just directly referring to the Kung Fu Panda. Anyway, I, I wasn't aware that that was an option. So, uh, if you want to get in touch with the show, you can on Twitter. I am at Jordan Hall twenty three. The show is at Podcast Yanos. Eric, who's not here, is at Comeric Eric. Hook, you are at Hookslide twenty three. Correct. That is correct. Until I someday get my name back, mm, we should start a Kickstarter for that. Yeah. And Emily is at Emily C Walden. You got it. Look at that research. Uh, Facebook.com backslash podcastianos. Oh, and on Instagram, I am at Jordino4. And we would love it if you take the time to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, 
or whatever other platform you listen to this show on. If you leave us a review, take a screenshot of it and tweet it at me. Make it funny, and we'll read it out on next week's show. I'm Blaine Hardy, and you're listening to the podcast, Giannos. So, guys, it's been another uh, not-so-hot week for the big club. Uh, we are now 5-20 and 20 in the last 25 games, um, which my sources tell me are not because that's not a good record. Um, it's been one of those stretches that kind of makes it hard. I, I say kind of. It's been it's made it extremely hard to turn the television on and watch these guys. Johnny Kane going through the NASA training, that's pretty much been the highlight in the last month. Um, but there is a bigger play uh, at work here, and that's kind of why I wanted to talk to you guys. Something to boost all of our spirits. And that is, we're in the middle of a rebuild. Um, it's been a little bit over a year now that we are in like an acknowledged rebuild. I think I feel like the the Maven for Victor Alcantara deal kind of really jump started that. Um, and we're about what a year and a half on from that. So I kind of wanted to get your guys' expert opinions. Just starting off here, um, what is the state of the rebuild at this point? Um, and either of you guys can jump in first. Like. Ooh. Where where would you you know rate it? What percentage of the way through it are we? You know all these indefinable questions that that you guys are supposed to know the answers to. <laughs> I think for myself, I I'm sticking with uh, possibly back into contender mode by like 2021. Okay. I think is probably going to be a fairly safe guess. I think it, it, the whole thing, whenever you go into a rebuild, it's going to be a little bit of a crapshoot. But personally, I like the progress they've made um, with some of their, their top names. Matt Manning, for example, is moving along really, really well. Um, so I would say 2021, you might start to see some of it by 2020, but I think it's still going to be at least two to three years before they're really back in contention mode. Yeah, I, that's probably a safe bet. I, I What I want to remind people about, though, is that this uh, move back into contention is not going to be uh, an overnight switch. If you understand what I'm saying, like it's not going to be, you know, they're terrible, they're terrible, they're terrible, and then suddenly, whoa, they're in first place. Uh, it, it's going to be a gradual ascent, you know, as, as certain of these prospects come, you know, up, up through the pipeline and into the major league club and begin to help in whatever ways they're going to help. So you add a pitcher here, you add an outfielder there, an infielder here. Uh, so I don't think it's like, oh, we have to wait till 2021 to turn the television back on. You can start, you know, next year and see how how it's improving. Uh, but I would agree that I mean, I, I've always been optimistic in saying 2019 is, you know, too early. But maybe who knows? You know, they, they steal a wild card spot. 2020 seems to be more the target. And that's what Alavila always said, you know, from 2015 when he took over, he said it's a five year plan. So that would be 2020. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people kind of say, okay, we can plan on Casey Mize getting to the big leagues at so-and-so year, Matt Manning, so-and-so year, and they almost expect, like, the second they get up to the big leagues, to Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, boom, now these guys are at their full potential, you know, borderline aces, and that's kind of not how it works. Like, you look at guys like James Paxton, who is one of the best, I would say one of the best lefties in the game at this point. Like, I feel like everyone says the, you know, progress isn't exactly linear, like, it is going to take some of these guys some ups and some downs. Look at look at Porcello. We had to send him down to the, the minor leagues at one point. Um, but here's the thing: like, I feel like our so our system when when Avila took over um, after Trader Dave left was very, after he was asked to leave um, was was very bad, very very bad by by no, by you know anyone's guess. Uh, you know we're about two years on and it's gone undergone quite a bit of a transformation. Uh, do you think Al should get a little bit more credit than he does just with some of the asset accumulation that he's been doing? Absolutely. I mean, I've been screaming that since 2016, right? Or 2017. Uh, yeah, because I, I say the rebuild actually began in earnest with the trade of JD Martinez. And so I would say it's not even really been a full year That's yet. Yeah. Um, and then we certainly knew it by the time they traded Verlander later that August. Uh, so in that amount of time, you know, the Tigers have already whipped together a fairly respectable farm system that went from, you know, bottom five, bottom 10 in MLB to, in my opinion, it's, it's at least upper 15. It's, it's top half. Uh, and we've got, you know, trades to go, we've got drafts to go. So I, I think given the lack of assets that they've had. They did not have a Chris Sale or an Adam Eaton or guys like that to trade and bring in the huge hauls that they did. But given what they did have to work with, they're I think they're way ahead of schedule. 
Yeah, Emily, you kind of see the the breadth of of the of sy- just systems in general across baseball. Like uh, the jump with like just like with what Hook was saying, the jump with what we had to work with. Um, I mean, that's a pretty legit job that he's done. No, I would definitely agree. Kind of going along with what Hook said too. The returns for who they traded. Obviously, a major league fan base doesn't want to have to hear you have to wait. Nobody wants to hear that. But the fact that they are officially in rebuild mode, I think for me, it really set in um, at the time of the draft where we got to see a little bit of the, you know, shifting pieces around, trying to save a few dollars here and there. I was really impressed with how the draft class came together. And this is, I mean, Hook can back me up on this as far as who we've seen in West Michigan. It's a fun draft class. It's a really fun draft class. And so between that and the trades that took place, I think that Al has done a really, really good job. And I think coming up to the trade deadline, we could see even more to add to that rebuild. It seems like a word that I would use, especially towards this year's draft class, is kind of crafty. Like, he seemed to have crafted this thing together with the uses uses of different monies, you know, paying more for this guy and then being able to get this guy cheaper, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I feel like that's the first time that we've been able to say that about uh, a draft class. Is, it, <laughs> is that just my imagination? Or are we finally reaching the base point that a lot of other major league teams kind of started with? Yeah, we're, we're behind the curve. In that sense, you know, we're finally catching up to what other teams had been doing. Um, but it, the other thing is, too, it's not just the draft. It's the money they're spending on international signings now. And we're seeing a lot more of that, which fans have been saying, smart fans have been saying for years, why aren't the Tigers in this game? Other teams are doing this and succeeding wildly at it. So, yeah, it's it's um, it's a whole different look when you're not drafting prospects for the purpose of trading them versus, <laughs> yep. you know, drafting them for the purpose of putting together a team. It has to be crafty to use your your word. Yeah. And this I believe this was the first year that we we handed out two million plus contracts in the international um, markets. Is that related to us having this is more from my ignorance here. Is that more related to us having a higher uh, budget for that because we were so bad? Or is that just the first time we thought it was necessary to dish out that much money? Do either of you have any any knowledge of that? You know, I can't say for, for me personally, I haven't had as much involvement on the international side. I think it I think it stems back to coming down from the top where they I think they've shifted as an organization. They've shifted the mentality of how they're approaching their acquisitions in general. And I think it is it is gonna take some more creativity. I think it's gonna be crafty, like you were saying, Jordan, where they're gonna to have to to look at things from different perspectives and you know make make the uh, the signings like they did with you know John Schreiber from 2016, who's who really came out of nowhere. The Jason Foley's, who you know we fingers crossed he's back back in commission here in the near future. But it's you really kind of have to pull some stuff out of your back pocket to get yourself back in a position to have that respect. And just like Huck was saying earlier, they're. They're back a few steps still, but they, I mean, they've progressed in a really impressive way. There's still obviously work to be done, but they've done a really good job, in my opinion. So before yeah, we get in, really good. I was going to say, you can really kind of see the differences in approach if you just step back and look at what the Red Sox are doing now that they are, you know, being run by Dave Dombrowski, who had the Tigers in his control for over a decade. Um, and not to, you know, knock, uh, so many fans are going to be angry if I say this, but Dave Dombrowski is really good at using the brute force method. Just I will buy the stars. I will empty the farm system for, you know, proven MLB talent. Um, so there was never kind of that approach of, hey, we have to be, you know, creative in how we're, we're acquiring talent and the purpose for which we're acquiring them. And you look at the Red Sox now, a lot of their fan base is openly admitting, man, our farm system is crap. And they had one of the best farm systems like the year before Dave took over. So... He did it in a couple of years time. He has gutted their farm system. He has, you know, bloated their, their bankroll. And maybe you can do that. If you're Boston, the Tigers were never supposed to be a top five spending team. And so they have to kind of scale back and, and be more resourceful. And to be fair, if he brings them a world series this year, then all of the prospect trading was worth it. It's just a matter of how you look at your, your fan situation or, you know, experience. Um, so just to tie a bow on this before we get to some individual prospects that I want to talk to you, specifically Death Rage. Um, 
so from a casual fan's perspective, looking at what I would, would describe as behind-the-scenes stuff, at anything below the major league level, we are generally optimistic um, about the direction things are going. I'm sorry, I was deferring to Emily. Uh, so. <laughs> either, either. I will, I'll run with this one. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I'm very optimistic. Um, I've had the chance to see, uh, let's see, several of the teams. I'll be heading to Florida State League next month and watching the way that the pieces have come into place, how quickly the 2018 class is making an impact I mean, they're moving guys extremely fast, which I think is a sign of how advanced they are, which speaks all the better for what's needed for the rebuild. And from what I've seen so far this year in Toledo, Erie, West Michigan, um, Toledo is a night and day difference. Having the guys that they have up there, the the moods are higher, spirits are higher. Um, Having Doug Mankiewicz there as the manager has done just a world of good for that system. And they've, they've just been able to, I think, really build up um, as a group and really become a lot more confident. And then um, Erie, unfortunately, is starting to lose some of their bigger names um, as they go up to Toledo. So that's that's something they're going to kind of have to adapt with with uh, Andrew Graham uh, managing there now. It's just it's a different feel this year. I think across the board, it's a different feel and it's an optimistic feel, in my opinion. All right, why don't we start at Erie a little bit? Uh, Alex Fietto, he's been he's been dealing. I mean, he's been he's been pretty good since he's been there. Um, the the velocity drop to start the year has has the velocity come back at all, Emily? Um, it really hasn't. Um, he's been sitting, I would say, topping out about ninety two to ninety three. And I never actually saw him in college, but what I was given as far as reports from scouts who had seen him is that he would touch upwards of ninety six. And so there's an obvious, I don't know, three to four mile an hour drop in that. It's it's noticeable um, with it still being his first year. I'm the type of mindset where I'm not going to put too much stock in that, even though he is a college arm. Um, you ask the players switching from college ball to minor league ball, it's a whole different animal. And so I'm giving him a little bit of uh, wiggle room as far as figuring stuff out in that regard but it is something to pay attention to um i think that next year if it continues it might be something to focus more on but i haven't been putting too much panic if you will (laughs) into that velocity drop so far now hook when we were talking with jorge cordova the uh the west michigan whitecaps uh pitching coach at at the meetup a couple couple weeks ago he was talking about with matt manning how he was trying to take away his fastball points to make him work on the other stuff do you think it's right. almost a good thing for Fietto that the velocity isn't just overpowering like it was before to really make him fine-tune those secondary pitches that were good when he came in, but he's obviously going to need them to play up even more to get to the big leagues? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've always kind of said this. Whenever issues of velocity drop come and go, uh, in fact, I just recently heard this from somebody about Matt Manning. You know, He makes the jump to Lakeland, and suddenly it's, oh, do you know his velocity's down? Well, yeah, he just moved up a level. And when they move up, they tend to, you know, they, they have to fine tune. They have to work on their grips. They have to work on this, that, the other thing. And so, you know, in the process, I feel like they – and several pitchers have told me that this happens. You have to dial back and say, okay, I can't just go out there and chuck as hard as I can. I have to get a feel. I have to get, you know, some finesse on this. And then once, they, once they're comfortable with it, then they can kind of ramp it back up. Zach Houston is another one. Uh, he came out in 2016, Chuck in 96, 97 on the radar gun at West Michigan, came back the next year and was down to, you know, 92, 93. And everyone's, oh, no, where's the velocity? He was just, you know, working on the fine tuning. And you will see him now in AAA. Uh, he's still kind of working on some stuff. But every now and then he will gas it back up to 96. And it's like, it's still there. See, it's still there. You know, don't worry about it. Yeah. And it's a thing for us as fans. Like we, we need that, you know flashy thing to to hang our hat on like oh yeah well, this guy's gonna come up and he's gonna throw 96 but it is you know, like you do need that entire package or by the time you get to the big leagues that 96 isn't going to mean anything yeah let me just say this we were i was just watching the uh the all-star futures game uh you know which is going on today or was going on i'm sure it's over by now um but you talk about you know fans hanging their hat on the whole velocity thing Ooh, 96 that's awesome 97 woo Hunter Green came out in this game and threw a pitch that was like 102, 103, and it got ripped for a home run. 
So velocity is not everything. Batters can catch up to those fastballs. So you have to have something other than just blazing speed. You'd better have good feel for it. You better have some secondary stuff. You better know how to sequence all that stuff that our prospects like Fiedo are, they're working on all that. So yeah, back off the velocity, learn the tricks of the trade, learn the, the art of pitching as Jim Price calls it. Then we'll worry about reaching back and hitting 96 again. It's almost like you're talking to a specific Tigers uh, TV color commentator when you're talking about not everything is just how hard people can throw. (laughs) (laughs) I never said anything about that. Um, So, Emily, obviously, uh, when when Fajardo came out of the draft last year, we more or less just sat him down for the the rest of the season. And we're doing the same thing, it sounds like, with Casey Mize. Um, Are you okay with him getting that Fajardo treatment, especially after how the velocity has... Um, kind of been an issue for him this year? You know, with Casey, it's funny because the first, the initial reports I heard is that he was going to get the same track, but now I'm starting to hear a little chatter that he may still throw this year. Um, I'm not quite sure the reasoning behind that. I'm trying to get more of a a concrete answer on that. But um, I think for Mize, I would say his profile I would call more advanced than Fiedo, and so if they were to choose to have him throw this year, I don't think it would be a huge issue. I think that he could adapt to it. Um, how much will he throw? I don't expect very much. Um, probably very limited innings, limited pitch counts. Um, but he's somebody who I think could handle the the uh, the chance to throw this year, and I'm curious to see what route the Tigers take with that. Are there more teams across baseball that are doing this, like that, just kind of completely redshirting their their first-round picks? I feel like I, I haven't heard so much. It seems like we're the, kind of the only ones doing that. Um, I haven't heard specifically if that's a trend one way or the other. I think it all just depends on postseason play because yeah, you have sense. the guys like like Alex Fajardo who threw deep into the World Series, and then, you know, Casey Mize was out of it a bit sooner, obviously, than Fajardo the year before. Um, so that gives him a little bit more time to have kind of loosened up. Um, so I, I would say it's more primarily based on how far they go into the postseason, depending on what type of a workload they've submitted that year. Makes sense. Makes, uh, I mean, that certainly seems like a, a sensible approach. Um, let's move on to another one of the big guns that's also at AA. Uh, Franklin Perez, obviously, he came over in the Verlander deal. Um Essentially, since we got him, we, we knew that we got this kind of shiny new toy in that deal. He's only pitched four times for us since then. Um, do either of you guys have really a feel kind of what he features, like what he's all about? I would say from just the stuff that I've had, um, I'm actually considered now a bad luck charm because <laughs> the week I went down for spring training, both Matt Manning and Franklin Perez were injured. <laughs> I will probably never be allowed to forget that ever. So that being said, we, we all have our things, I guess. We we do. You've got to build your legacy somehow. <laughs> um, but as far as the Franklin Perez, the earliest stuff that I heard from him when his name came up, as far as being a trade possibility to Detroit, is the fact that he had so much feel for being so young. He's got a really diverse arsenal. Um, got plenty of velocity. Really good off-speed stuff. I believe he's still 20. I don't think he's 21 yet. You can cross-check me on that. But so young. I mean, he's he's Matt Manning's age. And he already had double-A experience by the time he's 20 years old. And so the fact that he's excelled at the pace he has, the success that he's had, obviously this year having the last strain that set him back significantly, I'm excited to see what he does. So I think once he's able to get back to full health, he's going to show some really good stuff. So I'm still very optimistic. Um, so obviously, uh, he's, he's just a kid and it's hard to know, you know, personality wise. Um, but he's kind of going to be linked to Verlander, at least in this town for a while. Um, and that feels like, at least to me, that that would come with kind of a lot of pressure. Uh, I, I, I don't know if you have any experience with him personally. Is he, is he the type that's going to feel that, that weight? You know, I don't think he is. Um, I've had, it's, it's been very limited interaction with them, but He's a very low-key personality off the field. I think he's somebody who, very much like Alex Fajardo, who told me he's got no trouble tuning people out if, <laughs> if he starts to, you know, to hear the chatter. And in Fajardo's case, he played for a very big school, and so when you're in that position, you're going to hear the fans' opinions on things. Um, Perez comes from a bit of a different background than that, but I think the fact that he is 
mentally where he is, his maturity, I think it's really going to play in his favor. So I don't see him as putting too much pressure on himself. I know he's a very fierce competitor. And so if there's going to be any pressure, it'll be the self-inflicted, you can do better than this, get out there and show them what you can do. So I don't see him having an issue with the fans' opinions. Yeah, I love that. I feel like he's kind of the, the forgotten man. Like we, you know, we came into the year with the big four. Um, and obviously all the talk has been on, on Mize for a while and he's kind of, uh, press has kind of gone, uh, beneath the radar. It's, it's nice to see him kind of getting back to it. Um, hook, I want to get, I want to get to, uh, this is what I've been waiting to talk about, uh, the whole time. Let's talk about death rage. Dude can absolutely <laughs> ball. And he is, I mean, him and Clemens seem to be, uh, real, real guys. Don't you think? I really have enjoyed both of them. Yes. Uh, Deathridge, you know, was was obviously just a, a huge uh, meme waiting to happen anyway with that name, Brock Deathridge. You know, so, yeah, of course, I'm going to hype him like crazy on Twitter and make the jerseys and, you know, all that kind of fun stuff. Um, which, by the way, he apparently liked that jersey that I made so much that he requested one of his own. <laughs> so, yes, he's going to be. Guess what? Everyone in his family's getting for Christmas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, you know, and as far as his capability, like he's extremely intense in everything that he does. He's really, really fast on the base paths. He plays a good defense in center field at the plate. Uh, he just wants to hit. He might be a little bit over eager at times, but you know, that's, <laughs> uh, you know, Hey, so am I, you know, but, uh, aren't we all, uh, he'll, he'll learn, I think, to polish some of that up. Um, you know, the, the thing is like, he's a fun guy to hype, but you know, in reality, he is a 10th round pick. And so I'm, I'm happy if he can somehow progress through the system, you know, not get stuck at, you know, AAA or whatever. If he can even come in and be, you know, a fourth outfielder for the Tigers, that's that's huge value in the 10th round. And he will be a fan favorite the whole time he does it. So I'm excited about that. Obviously, without having seen him much actually at all, um, the, the guy that I kind of compare him to is Gerber. Is that, is that fair? Um, yeah, yes and no. I mean, Gerber always kind of caught my attention because he was such a, a Zen master at the plate. He was so patient, you know, and would take his walks and wait for his pitch and then just blast it when he got it. And, and like I said, Deathridge is just up there to hit. He's hacking, you know, which isn't to say he's bad at pitch recognition. You know, he, he does take his balls when he's supposed to. Uh, but kind of a different different character, uh, certainly a lot faster on the base paths. I watched him leg out a triple uh, one night. and It was just blown away like that had to have been a 12 second, you know, 11 to 12 second run around the bases. So uh, and, and Emily will tell you this, too. Gerber is just kind of a real laid back personality. And uh, Deathridge brings this fire to the field. That is just it's, it's a lot of fun to watch. To be fair, when you're born with a name like that, I don't I don't think you really have another choice. Uh, exactly. Brock, Brock, Deathridge. Come on. That determines your personality. Okay. So I have a lot more topics that I wanted to get into in depth, but we're running a little long. So how about we just go rapid fire? Just, I don't know, a minute on each. We'll go every other. Um, let's start with Kyle Funkhauser. Obviously he's getting a little bit closer. And by that, I mean, he's all the way up to Toledo. Emily, uh, what's the ceiling there? I think we could see him in Detroit this year. I think the fact that he has the arsenal that he has with the confidence to back it. He actually told me before spring training, I said, where are you going to start the year? He said, double A, which he did. And I said, where are you going to end the year? He said, Detroit, which he very well could. And he had a little bit of a rocky start, but he's able to, or he's been able to kind of iron out um, some of the issues he's had. And I think he's on a really good track to get there. But Emily, how will we find space for him on the 40 man? There's just no, no spots to burn. You know, I think, I think that's, that's a response that's going to take more than a minute, so I'm going <laughs> to bypass that one. All right, let's move on. Um, Hook, one of your favorite topics, and that's, of course, Christian Stewart. Um, what is he going to look like? I mean, inevitably, he's going to come up this year. What is he going to look like when he comes up, and how bad is this glove um, that I know for you has become a bit of an issue of... of, uh, of uh, constraint with uh, with one Lynn Henning. Uh, yeah, and we'll just kind of skip right over that <laughs> because that's just, I, I really think that's just Lynn getting called out on something that he didn't want to back down on. So he just doubled down instead of saying, hey, maybe somebody else actually has seen more of this guy than I have and I should have, have a listen. Uh, funny, the funny thing too, because he, he kind of, you know, 
talked down to me a little bit in that exchange over Kristen Stewart, uh, whereas I posted some video of, of Zach Houston the other day, just a couple days ago, and he retweeted it. So yeah, like, a very okay, interesting whatever. relationship. It's a very – it can be what it is. I know Eric has a very interesting relationship with him as well, so – I will let Eric mentor me on how to deal. Yeah, I'm not sure love hate that, is quite uh, accurate. I've, it's I've just... lost... Yeah, Kristen Stewart is a bat. I mean, he's always been a bat, uh, and I think his defense uh, for people that uh, that don't like watching Nick Castellanos in right field, Nick Castellanos is a Gold Glove compared to Kristen Stewart. I, I can't stress this enough. And it's not just because I posted a couple videos of some very obvious botched plays, line drive grounders that he you know deflected and ended up turning a single into a double, pop flies that he literally overran and fell down trying to catch. Those are the obvious, the extremes. It's, it's watching him inning after inning and seeing he hasn't a clue about the routes to take. He looks very lost out there. And you put him in a, in a much bigger outfield, like Comerica and you, I think multiply the, the opportunity for disaster. So the sooner they can get him off the field, um, I just, I, I get it. His bat is going to be good. He's going to hit 30 bombs a year, you know? Um, but I, the fans that are saying, Hey, bring that bat up. We can deal with the defense. I'm like, no, you can't, you can't ever deal with bad defense. The minute this guy gets out there and botches a serious play, you're going to be all over. Twitter is gonna, yeah. It's going to murder him. Absolutely. Yeah, You can't handle Castellanos out there. You're not going to handle Stewart. So uh, obviously you've seen him a lot more than I have. Is there legit reason to think that he's more than Steven Moya, at least at, at the plate? Oh, for sure. Okay. Yeah. Much, much better approach at the plate. Uh, Stephen Moy, of course, was just he could not he the, the strikeouts, you know, just drove the the raw power, you know, down. Uh, it wasn't worth anything. Um, Stewart has kind of mastered that 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 median walk, you know, so that he can uh, he makes more contact, doesn't strike out as much. And when he hits the ball, he hits it a long way. <laughs> uh, so this one's for bo- for both of you. Uh, Bo, Bo Burrows, obviously threw a gem today uh, at Erie, kind of steadily climbing. I feel like he, I, I said that Franklin Perez has kind of gone under the radar, but he's really gone under the radar too as far as um, kind of the Tigers' big pitching prospects. What is his major league comparison? Like who is somebody that we can look at and think, yeah, that could be what Bo turns out. Like just give us a little bit of frame of reference for, for his skill set. I can't say I've done um, a major league comp for him personally. I know, I think at least from a fan perspective, if if uh, minor league play, players don't move very quickly, I think fans tend to forget because fans want everything quick. Yep. They want it now. Um, Kyle Funkhauser joked with me when he went on the DL last year. He goes, I don't think people even remember that I'm with your organization anymore. <laughs> because... Uh, you, you kind of go into a black hole when you're on the DL because fans want to see production, they want to see action, they want to see all that stuff. Um, Bo, out of all of the top arms, I think I would say he's the most bullish, if you will, as far as how Kyle Funkhauser is similar, but Bo Burrows attacks hitters. He attacks hitters. He's got probably my favorite fastball in the in the entire organization. Um, so much to work with there. He hasn't progressed as quickly, but he's the type of guy where you explain it to him, it clicks, he feels it through, gets a little bit more situa- situational awareness, and he's able to really get into a good place with that. So I think for him it's just a matter of putting the pieces together, but I would love to see him get an opportunity probably next year and uh, I think he's going to see some real success. And he's still young too. I mean, he's been in the system forever, but he's still he's still a young dude. Lots of time to to go there too. Um, okay, let's move on. Um, couple more, and then we'll get into Twitter questions. Uh, Emily Jacob Rubson, um, he has kind of come out of nowhere and just hasn't stopped hitting this year. Um, I feel like it's too uh, black and white to ask, is, is this a legit prospect? But um, could we see him in Detroit at this point, at some point this year? I think it's a little early to say this year. I think that he has exceeded expectations as far as how he's done in AAA. Um, obviously, he came up when Kristen Stewart went on the DL, and they liked him so much, he's still up there. So for him, personally, I think fourth outfielder profile okay. um, that's that's what I've gotten from him he's got really good speed he's got good instincts in the outfield his arm is a little bit below where I'd like it to be it's not quite as um, it doesn't doesn't have quite as much punch to it if you will but I mean he's just put 
put up ridiculous numbers at the plate this year. And I think that he could be that fourth outfielder type, and he's really done a great job so far. Somebody has to be the fourth outfielder. And uh, <laughs> despite his recent surge, I still don't think that it's Victor Reyes. Uh, and last one, Hook, I want to get your, get your opinion on Zach Houston. Um, watched him. So I was down at, at my buddy's house in Chicago, and they actually play the White Sox AAA games on their TV station, which I'm like, man, if we could get some Mud Hens games on TV, that would be awesome. Or, or oh, White wow. Caps, yeah. either, either way. Um, and Houston pitched, and he was just destroying batters. Um, I kind of was unfamiliar with him until I watched him that, and then I did some research on him. Dude can, dude can absolutely pitch. Um, you know, is, is he a potential impact bullpen guy for us? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. He is. And, uh, you know, I, I tend to get high on guys pretty quick when I see him at the Whitecaps level and they just come out and just destroy. And I loved his stuff from the second I saw it, the fastball with that great late movement, arm side run, a 12, six yellow hammer curveball, you know, that had batters darting and dodging and frozen. Like he was awesome. And, uh, you know, so I've kind of I've, I've advocated for him for a long time, and the numbers support that. He's got Joe Jimenez like numbers all through the minor league system in terms of strikeouts. The strikeout ratios are you know 13, 13 and a half, 15. Uh, at Toledo, his his K per nine is 15.4 uh, over I think 15 or 16 games, and that's that's his calling card. And the stuff is good, it's legit. Um, but when I think of you know what's he going to look like once he reaches the the Tigers level, which I do think could be this year. I would not be surprised at all if they end up trading Shane Green, for example, and end up with a hole in the bullpen that they don't, you know, go ahead and bring up Zach Houston, give him a shot. I think he will struggle a little bit like Joe Jimenez did in his first season last year. Uh, But once he makes the adjustments, which he has at every single level, he's going to be an impact bullpen arm. I think seventh inning guy, eighth inning guy somewhere in there. I don't think he's going to be the closer, you know, but he will he'll absolutely be, I think, you know, maybe a setup guy. Wait, so if a pitcher comes up, you know, after being highly touted and he doesn't perform immediately, there's still hope for him to come good, like maybe the next year? No, uh, you want to write him off immediately, immediately. as a quote-unquote okay. 4A pitcher. All right, I, I'm writing that down in my notes. Okay, love. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Uh, let's move on to things I saw on the side of the road while running. This is real quick. Uh, I didn't want to spend a lot of time in this, but on the the road this week, I saw over the course of probably about a mile, I don't know, maybe 30 or 40 rubber bands just kind of strewn about on the side of the road. No like box that they obviously came from. Like it almost looked like somebody had was leaving um, uh, gin, what, gingerbread crumbs. Is that the is that <laughs> like leading me somewhere with these rubber bands? And I, I never found out like where did these rubber bands come from. Um, and it, it, you know, does somebody just like throw them out their window? Like I, I always discuss this with, with Eric, like there's only so many ways for crap to get on the side of the road. How did these rubber bands end up on the side of the road? So that's what I have for you guys. What if it was like a really epic rubber band fight? I would like to have seen that. I don't know right. that I'd like to have participated in it, but I'd like to have seen it. See, that's where my mind would go. I'd say that somebody had a really awesome rubber band fight here, and now I need to host one because I need to be a part of that. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to the Twitter questions. First one comes in from Jennifer Cozy. She says, will the Tigers sign to Austin Jackson? Uh, Hook, you want to take this one? <laughs> Uh, I love Jen. She's so much fun. Uh, yes. And she is an Austin Jackson fanboy from a long time back. And 
ever since he was, I think he was traded to the Rangers and then released by the Rangers. So he's available. And from the day that happened, she has been tweeting at the Tigers official account <laughs> multiple times per day saying, are you any closer to signing Austin Jackson? I, I actually put a tweet out that said I'm, I'm giving over under on how long before they block her because of how often she tweets this, but they won't. Um, I, I feel no, like we I always mock the, the Twitter, you know, hashtag activist. She's actually trying to get something done through Twitter. I'll, I'll give her credit for that. Go for what you believe in and, and do it until they block you. You know, you can at least say you tried, but no, I don't think he's getting signed. Yeah. Uh, Matt Pelk asks us, uh, did Save by the Bell pay the Tigers for their blatant 80s logo ripoff? After four wins in the last 24 games, that's all I got. <laughs> been rough on all of us do, do either you guys I, to be fair I, I don't actually know what that's referring to can you can i don't either either of you I, fill me in i'm sorry i'm no help on that one okay um, i i never watched save by the bell that's the thing i was busy studying you know wrc plus and fip and whip and all that stuff so <laughs> yeah and I, I was never a child so I, I went straight from you know uh <laughs> you know crawling to to watching the sports center so yeah I, I don't really know what that's about either um but i'm sure i'm sure it was it was a good reference we just aren't aren't smart enough to get it um at evan ken 95 asks us what if the orioles decide to keep manny machado great that's fantastic <laughs> people don't understand this like when they talk about the pieces the tigers can move this year oh they can trade this guy they can trade that guy I'm, I'm telling you, the trade market is going to be absolutely flooded this year with superstars because you have so many teams. Remember at the beginning of the year how we were like, man, there's a huge disparity. There's like six awesome teams, and then there's like a, just a ton of teams that are going to lose 100 games, right? Well, all those teams, the 100-game losers, are going to be dumping roster at this point. So you have so many potential stars on the market, and what the Tigers have to offer in that market is going to get lost very quickly. So are the Tigers going to be able to trade Jose Iglesias? Not if Machado is on the market. No. So if he stays with the Orioles, yes, maybe we can trade Iglesias. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, I would say from just speaking with um, several different scouts and talking to a few different teams, I think pretty much every team is open now as far as having their top guys available and wanting to shift pieces. And so I'm curious to see, you know, what does happen with Machado. It's it's going to play a big factor in the market this year. And um, the Tigers need to move some pieces. They need to move some pieces. And so whether he stays or goes, that is going to play a major factor in what the Tigers can pull off at the deadline. I'd love to see him go to Cleveland. Let Cleveland empty out their farm system. And then for him not to re-sign with Cleveland in the offseason. I think that would be the ideal uh, scenario. Brandon Kerr asks, either of you going to try the cotton candy hot dogs in Erie? You know, I missed my chance. I was in Erie probably about three weeks ago, and I missed my chance. But I did ask uh, Greg Coleman, shout out to Greg Coleman, the, the Erie Seawolves general manager, Ask him to save me one, so he's going to try and have one available for the next time I make that trip over. Now, is that going to be, like, did he get it from the concession stand that night, and has it, like, in a, a hot uh, hot bag? Or is he going to get you a new one on the night? You know, the thought of the state of that cotton candy, if he waited until my next visit, um, hurts my, my mouth to think oh, about. Oh, come so on. Come hopefully, on. hopefully it's fresh. Like, like we're going to get, you know, principled about this. Like, no, that cotton candy hot dog, that needs to be fresh, not three days old. My cotton candy needs to be a certain. For those who don't know what we're talking about, this is a hot dog in a bun made of cotton candy. And then it's like topped with nerds. It's nerds. And that's, I said on Twitter, like, I, I try a lot of unique stuff. I love to do that. This year, the Whitecaps have crickets. You could buy crickets. I did. I absolutely did. And I said, I've always wondered where the line is for me. Where is that line that, nope, I'm not going over. That hot dog is it. No, I will not touch that thing. I, I, to be honest, I don't even think I'd have a problem with the cotton candy bun. It's the nerds. Like, there, there is virtually nothing more vile on this planet. Hazelnut, obviously, is included in that. Um, but nerds are so, are so bad. Just like, did you guys ever see the Weird Al Yankovic movie called UHF? Mm -mm. No. Okay, I would recommend it if you're into that kind of style of like airplane humor. Uh, you know, the movie Airplane. I don't like much care naked for movies. Gun. They're just too long. I, I know. <laughs> it's really goofy, slapstick, stupid stuff. But anyway, at, at some point in the movie, his friend makes him a hot dog. That is a hot dog 
uh, the bun is a Twinkie. So they slice it down the middle and put the hot dog, you know, and then he squirts like a cheese whiz on top of it. And I actually made that and tried that. So that's that's how far I will go. How, the, how was it? I'm, I'm curious now. Terrible. I got sick. It was nasty. I'd imagine. So this, I won't touch this, no. All right. Uh, Nicholas Haller asks us, five prospects you each are hyped for. Let's cut that down to two. Two prospects that I am hyped. Is that what the kids are saying nowadays? Um, they're, they're, they're hyped for. Yeah, sure. Um, no, what, what prospects do you think are extra? Oh, goodness. That's goodness gracious. I'm going to go off the grid slightly if we're talking top 30, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back hook his campaign that I've done my best to support over the years. Zach Houston, 110%. A, I fully believe he's going to do some stuff. Um, and then I think the other guy that I would say I'm really excited about is Daz Cameron. Mm. Um, I think we, we talk a lot about pitchers, and obviously the, the farm system's been very pitcher-heavy for a while now. Uh, Daz Cameron has been labeled by more than one scout as the top position prospect in the Tigers organization right now. Um, he's handled every promotion exceedingly well, done so good, obviously comes from good bloodlines, and I think he's going to be a real contributor in the future. He's just so exciting. Like, I look at him and I think, yeah, let's go. You know what I mean? There, there, we don't necessarily have a ton of, of uh, positional players that are like that. Obviously, there, there's a few, but I get it. I see him and I'm like, all right, Daz, now we go. All right, Hook, how about you? Uh, it's not I can't just do just two, but I'll rip through them real quick. Obviously, Zach Houston, you know, is such an under under the radar. Nobody's talking about this guy and he's going to be a big a big deal. So I'm very excited to see him possibly this year. Um, I, I still think Isaac Paredes is another one that's like no one's kind of talking about him anymore because other you know names are, are getting more hype. But he's still an extremely solid option at shortstop. Uh, a surprise candidate, Sergio Al- Alcantara. Really? Nobody okay. likes this guy, right? But his defense is just crazy, crazy good. And I think he can get the bat to a level where it's it's not going to be nice. It's not going to be pretty, but it will support the glove that he brings. I so feel, I'm, I'm excited about all three of those guys. I feel like the problem with Alcantara right now is that he doesn't like him being good doesn't support the narrative that the JD trade was so bad. And nobody wants to even entertain that thought. But you know, know. that's neither here. Well, and, and if I could add to on Sergio. The fact that he's as small as he is, I think that that kind of plays his, against his ability to hit for power. His defense, he's, in my opinion, he's the best shortstop in the system. Yes. I think he's he's exceedingly talented at short. I've watched him play a couple times uh, between spring training um, and then the Florida State League last year. He's just so sharp, but just has to bulk up a little bit. He's still 21, I think. So hopefully a little bit more chance for him to add on some muscle, but he's got good plate discipline. Um, he's got a good eye. He's patient. He's, he's not overly aggressive. There's stuff to work with there, but by far his defense is just second to none. It's really impressive. And there really isn't much yeah. in the way of, of competition for him in the organization. I think him and Lugo, him, Lugo and, and Nico will be the only middle infielders on the 40 man after Iglesias is gone next year. So plenty of, plenty of, of room for him to move up. Uh, Anthony Troy asks us, who uh, are you most excited to see get called up after the trade deadline or September? Maybe, uh, maybe one, one for each of you. Go ahead. Go ahead, Emily. (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's, it's great waiting for cues on who's going to go first. Um, (laughs) I would say as far as call-ups for this year, I think I'm – gosh, it's so hard to know exactly who will be called out because it's it's really going to depend on who needs to to be filled in. But I'm going to go relief arm, and I'm going to say Zach Houston. I'm going to say the Tigers take a gamble on him, see what he's able to do. I think he brings some extremely solid stuff to the table. I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to say we see Zach Houston this fall. Yep, that's my answer as well. Nice and short. Um, mine is, we've, we already have him up uh, a couple times this year, but I'd love to see Grayson Griner get some run as the everyday catcher. I'd love to see what he, I mean, we, we kind of did the, the same thing with Dixon. We gave him a full, year, a full half a season of being the everyday second baseman, and we kind of got an answer as far as is Dixon the answer at second base. It was, he, he wasn't, um, but i kind of like to see uh, Griner get that chance, too. means to be seen whether it'll happen or not, but that's that's what I would like to see. Uh, at Chinny's Twits asks us, after Hicks went yard off of him, should we be glad the Tigers dumped Verlander when they did? 
And we actually got the same question after the Aducey home run. I don't necessarily have who, who sent that to us, though. Well, I can't speak, say, um, gauging a pitcher's value off of giving up one home run seems to be a bit of a, a surfacey grading system. Um, Justin is going to go down as one of the top pitchers of our time. And so I think for all of us, it's very hard to see see him move out of our, our proximity, whether, you know, diehard Tigers fans or, you know, just enjoy the game in general. But having him here for the time we did, I think, did a world of good for the city. And I don't think Detroit is ever going to enjoy the fact that he's no longer with the organization. I think he's going to be a longtime icon for the city. Always in our hearts. Always in our hearts. Um, so this is one I kind of wanted to get to in the regular rundown, um, but I knew the question was coming up. Um, run us through your MLB The Show trade simulator. Who is the guy you you personally are willing to get rid of? Uh, what kind of trade piece would you think that he, he would return? And what percentage chance do you think Avila will make the trade outcome come true? He says, Fulmer for Clint Frazier, 25% chance that it actually happens. So kind of that, that format. Uh, Emily, why, why don't you lead us off? Oh, gosh, that's, that's a heavy question. Um, based on who I've spoken to, I don't see the Yankees letting go of Frazier for Fulmer. Um, what I figured out by talking to a few scouts, um, most of them said probably a top five guy and a top 20 guy would be what the Yankees would offer in exchange for a guy like Fulmer. I don't think they part with Frazier. I, I don't see them putting Frazier on the table for Fulmer. Um, I would like to see the Tigers add a bit more um, positional depth. And somebody who I was actually talking about today is uh, Brendan Rogers from the Rockies, who is by far one of my favorite guys in the system right now. Um, as far as who Detroit would have to put up for him, that's that's another thing where it's it's so hard to piece together what other teams would be willing to put up for what Detroit has to offer. So I think it just comes down to how badly do they want to fill gaps? How badly do they want certain names? What are you willing to put out on the table? And I think that's going to vary from team to team. I don't think you can really say one game plan across the board depending on what teams are involved. I mean, it would have to be Fulmer to get, to get a guy like Brendan Rodgers, right? I would say so. I think Fulmer is the top option that the Tigers have to offer right now. Obviously, we've heard, you know, Castellanos being named, Iglesias being named as far as interest. I even talked to one scout who said they had their eye on James McCann. Um, so it's it's interesting to see what types of moves these teams are willing to make. I think it depends where they're lacking, what do they need to fill, and what type of price are they willing to pay. I'd actually like that scout's number that wants James McCann. I think I could get <laughs> in the middle and try and make something happen for, for them there. Um, who, who, are, who are you most looking to, to move, and who, who would you like to see as a return from that? Um, first of all, stop with the Michael Fulmer trade stuff. That is just Come on, really? The, the teams are smarter now. They're not going to get rid of their top prospects. A lot of teams are holding on to guys you want to see come to Detroit. And Michael Fulmer is the top prospect that turned into a good pitcher. So, yeah, he's having a rough year, but give me a break. Um, it's, I, I really would like to see them make you know, make a move with, with Nick Castellanos. Uh, he's, like, I think at peak value right now. He's become the all-star hitter that we all said, you know, that not all of us said. <laughs> a lot of us said he was going to become, and he, he's done that, so it would be nice to sell high on him. I would like to see them get something of value for Shane Green, for Mike Fires, who's having a great, you know, last, what, five or six starts. You know, sell high. And and even Francisco Liriano, maybe they can get a nice... Uh, I think the uh, the Blue Jays got Teoscar Hernandez for him when they when they traded Liriano last year. If we can get something like that, I'd great. That in a heartbeat, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Um, Roger uh, from from the uh, Detroit Detroit Sports Radio podcast uh, at Rogcast eighty one. Um, our good buddy, we met him at the uh, at the meetup. He says, "What is your perfect Sunday, uh, Hook? Why don't you, Why don't you start us? Any Sunday that I get to hang out with Roger from uh, Sports Radio Detroit." That was, well, that was well done. Good job, right? Yeah, I thought about that for for a while, but uh, a great Sunday is it's always the summertime, um, warm weather, <laughs> naturally. Uh, relaxing with the Tigers game if they're actually playing good baseball, um, taking a nap, and uh, yeah, listening to some yacht rock on the deck with a frozen daiquiri. Perfect Sunday, <laughs> Emily. I would say beach for me. I feel like I am the most relaxed when I'm by the water. So getting to 
you know, I'm going to do a Pure Michigan um, <laughs> advertisement here and say any of our beautiful beaches that we have to offer here in the great state of Michigan, um, that's that's really the place where I feel the most relaxed. And so, yeah, throw in a iced something or other adult beverage and makes for a pretty good day. All right, Tim. So settle, settle down, Tim. Um, Jeremy Troy asks, uh, are you guys finally on board with my preseason hashtag team take, uh, team tank take? That's a mouthful. Uh, hey, Evan, I think, uh, hook, <laughs> leave us off. I don't know what, what his exact proposal was, but as far as team tank, I mean, just in terms of like, let's lose as many games as possible. Yeah so that we can get a much higher draft pick. I am yes. all in favor of that. Uh, it, it was annoying for the first half of the season to watch this team play around 500 ball. When you know darn well they're not going to compete for anything, please don't land in the middle of the pack and get, like, a, you know, number 16 draft pick. Tank. Well, Tank hard. They're, they're trying to appease you now. They got there. Don't worry. Right. People are freaking out. I'm like, no, this is good. This is good. This is not a good team right now. Let's please turn this into a, a much higher draft pick. Uh, and last one from my buddy Matt Kozlerich. Um Condolences to your, your Croatian boys today. Um, they, they put up a good fight. Uh, he asks us, if you had to put money on one pitching and one positional player in the Tiger system to make a future All-Star game, who would it be? Um, and then the second one, best summer pie, i.e. served with vanilla ice cream, eaten cold, etc. Um, Hook, let's start with the pie. Uh, what is your go-to summer pie? Oh, wow. It is a Maine blueberry pie from Dice Arts. That's a, a truck stop in Maine that I've eaten at. But you can actually order their pies online and have them delivered. Oh. And Maine blueberries are just amazing. They're smaller than Michigan blueberries and sweeter. So go to Dice Arts and order a, a blueberry pie from them. I had no idea that there was different types of blueberries. I'm, oh, I'm I didn't either so much until today. I had it. <laughs> Emily, what, what's your go-to pie? Apple. All right. Slight, slightly warm with a scoop of vanilla ice cream every time. I can't disagree you, with that. That that's a that's a that's a good take right there. Do you guys ever have you ever tried the, the slice of cheese on the apple pie thing? People talk no, about that. Have you that ever tried is it? nonsense. I haven't. I would say that I would probably try it just out of sheer curiosity, but I can't say I have yet. Yep. But I, I finally tried it because people talk about it so much. I finally, you know, I won't tell you the results. I'll let you find that out for yourself. But it was it was interesting. I will I will live in in curiosity. I, there's <laughs> no way I will do that. Um, and the Stay other strong, Jordan. and the other part of the question: um, any future all stars in the system? Uh, Hook. Uh, Joe Jimenez. Oh wait, he already got picked. So <laughs> boom, feel, nailed it. Feel All free right. to feel free to crow as much as you want. You de you deserve I'm it. Gonna, I'm going to crow on that one. Um, yeah, I would say that uh, he said position player and pitcher. I, I think for a pitcher, you'll see Matt Manning in the All Star game at some point. Um, I also think, uh, boy, from a positional side, uh, tough call. Cody Clemens. We'll just say Cody Clemens and dream on that. I like that. I I, I really like him. Dude's Look, he's got played. I'm just going to say he's hitting the ball like crazy. He has a lot of power, and the defense that I've seen, and some of the videos that Emily's posted of of his defense, like he he flat out plays. So yeah, let's and go with he's that. He's got that mindset. Like he is a he's cocky. He has the mindset that is going to get him to the big leagues and do yep. well. And I, I love that. People, it seems like it pisses some people off. I think it's awesome. I think that's exactly what you need. Um, Emily, any any all stars in in your system? You know, Hook just stole my oh, that dirty dog. <laughs> stole my up um the progression that Matt Manning has made just speaks for itself he's moving at a really really good pace I think he's he's on track to to move quickly I think we can see some good stuff from him in the next year or two um and then yeah Cody Clemens is he's the complete package I mean you heard so much about the power that he put up while he was at Texas he can flat out play in the infield he can flat out play he's got the instincts for it he's got the confidence for it and that is um that's what I would like to see. So awesome. Uh, thank you guys so much for uh, joining me tonight. If you want to get in touch with the show, you can, I am at Jordan hall, 23. Eric is at Comeric Eric. And the show is at podcast. Emily is at Emily C. Walden. Hook is at hook slide 23. Um, and on Instagram, I'm at Jordino Four. Emily. Are you at the same thing on Instagram? Um, Emily Walden, the number one. Yo, you're number one on, on there. Congrats. I was only number four. So, <laughs> and hook i'm assuming you are not on instagram 
what's Instagram? <laughs> um, and we'd love it if you take the time to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, or whatever other platform you're listening to the show on. Thank you guys so much. I feel like I've learned a, a ton. Hopefully all of the listeners have too. Um, and I feel like I say this every time you guys come on, but we need to have you guys on more often. We always shed light, light on our, our dark and gloomy world. Anytime you want to have me on, I'm happy to be here. It's always a good time. I appreciate the invite. And yes, any anytime someone wants to, you know, have some hope in the Tiger system, come on out to West Michigan, catch a game. It's fun. You'll feel better. Yeah, and I remember the very first time you and I ever spoke was when I I said that um, I thought Mike Pelfrey was going to be uh, the signing, and that one turned out to be not so great. And we're still friends. So um, <laughs> see. <laughs> you know, some, sometimes it all works out. Emily, thank you so much for joining. Um, what, what do you have in the works right now? Um, heading to Lakeland next month. We're kind of shifting some stuff around at the athletics. So we'll have some fun projects coming up there. And uh, yeah, just working to keep it fresh. And I can't believe we're in the second half of the season already, but it's, it's moving along. We're having a good time. Yeah, it's nuts. It, it really does fly by. Well, anyway, um, So thank you guys for joining us. All the listeners, thank you for listening. And we will catch you guys next week. And eat them up, Tigers. Eat them up. And Hook, I think you have to say the goodbye because you have the the closer to, to Eric's tone. Goodbye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.